There's a hell of a lot of money in this game. You, you just need to use your mind. <laughs> it is an existential issue for the company. There's no doubt about that. We are losing over a billion dollars a year in potential revenue. I'm Matt Cutler, and you're listening to the Pirates vs. the Premier League, a journey inside the world of illegal sports broadcasting. We've spoken to representatives from almost everyone involved in sports broadcast piracy in the UK, yet one organisation remains elusive. And that organisation, we've been told time and time again, is the one that holds the keys to the solution, the Premier League. And yet the popularity of pirated services shows little sign of abating. In a January 2023 article for The Athletic, Phil Buckingham wrote that the Audiovisual Anti-Piracy Alliance, AAPA, produced a report in December that estimated that 17 million Europeans aged between 16 and 74 viewed illegal content in 2021. So we've had some really exciting and uh, interesting news come through. So two weeks ago, we spoke to a market research firm, YouGov Sport, about helping us understand exactly how many people in the UK are watching sport illegally, and the data has just come back. There's actually very little data out there that actually shows how widespread the problem is, partly because it's difficult to be definitive about how many people are actually committing a crime. The best we could find was from the Audiovisual Anti-Piracy Alliance, who estimate that 3.2 million people in the UK watched illicit content in 2021, although that's not just sports. And more recently in February this year, the Intellectual Property Office in the UK estimated that 3.9 million people in the UK uh, watch illegal sports streams. But extrapolating the research that we've got through from YouGov, it shows that 5.1 million people, that's 5.1 million over the age of 18, across England, Wales and Scotland admit to watching sport illegally and in addition 3.2 million either didn't know whether they had or didn't want to say. Frankly these numbers are huge. It doesn't include anyone under the age of 18 which you know you'd expect a significant amount of people in that age bracket to to be watching sport illegally and it's at least one in ten adults probably closer to two in ten. 13 times at least the number of people who watch Premier League games in stadiums in a typical game week and cost was singled out as the primary motivation, something that, that chimes with what the interviews we've done to date say. And the second key motivation after price was lack of content availability, i.e. people want to watch stuff that isn't available so go to illegal sources to do that. All in all it's kind of no wonder really that the Premier League is trying to scare people off watching illegal broadcasts. Morning, Rich. Hey, mate. Good to see you. I can see you this time. I know, that's a downer for you. <laughs> so last time we spoke, it was we were talking about Flawless. How'd you get on? Yeah, I spoke to a couple of people involved in prosecuting the case. I think that even though it was a record prosecution, these aren't the mafia-style state-sponsored criminals. These guys were buying flats in cash and registering companies on companies' house. Stuff like that. So it's relatively unclear, but... There are suggestions that were that there was some kind of higher power involved. I, I think there's it's, it's interesting the assumption of higher powers on the criminal side. You know, we have we're used to 
Ozarks and Breaking Bad and all of this, it also might be that these are just Herberts who have found a way of making a load of money, much more money than they would do in their day jobs. That might be a sort of unsatisfactory but more realistic answer. Yeah, you're right. This was a Premier League prosecution, right? And one of the reasons why they did this was to show people in the UK that if you're pirating sport, you are going to get in trouble. And if you're watching illegal sports streams, you're also going to get in trouble. So the fact that they are relatable type people probably helped and was more powerful. I do think it has the feel of a show trial. First of all, it was notable because it's quite rare. I, you know, we've, we've landed on this flawless case because you know, it's not in the daily news agenda, another pirate goes down. And it did, it did feel like that part of the significance of it was its rarity value. Yeah, it feels like this is the Premier League showing people that this is the results of piracy if you continue with it or get involved in these areas. But we'd love to ask them those questions, right? That's still something we haven't been able to ask them. So my answer to that is that, I mean, I spoke with, let's call him a very, very senior Premier League executive. And it was really interesting. It was a very nuanced conversation. And we want to have that conversation on the documentary if they're up for it. And we've asked and we're we're in that process. Okay, well, that leads us with a few things to explore. One is I want to dive a bit deeper in that Premier League position And we've talked quite in depth about the problem, but what is the solution, particularly given the numbers show how widespread this is now and how widespread it's getting? You know, the cost of living crisis isn't going anywhere soon and the new Premier League season is kicking off soon, right? So this could be one of the biggest Premier League seasons for piracy. It could be. And if someone wants to prove us wrong on that, we'd love to hear from them. Yeah, and that five million people minimum pirating figure doesn't lie right we know through that research as well that there are two main motivations for people pirating sport one is cost sport has become too expensive and two is availability the sport that people will pay for is just not there these 3 p.m saturday kickoffs that are blacked out in the uk but shown everywhere else internationally regardless of how much you spend on sport the only way you can watch them is through illegal streams and so we want to ask those two key questions right has football become too expensive and is that article 48 now redundant in an era where you can stream whatever you want pretty easily i'm frank dunn i'm a sport business journalist i started working for tv sports markets in February 1999, any media rights deal anywhere in the world for any sport, if there was some value attached to it, that would be of some interest to us. Before we go any further, it's worth a brief history lesson in sports economics. In the 1970s, pay television started to spread globally, and media companies looked to live sport to drive subscriptions. It worked, making the likes of ESPN and Sky in the UK become huge, profitable businesses. And businesses like Sky would later move into other areas, such as broadband and mobile phone services, selling their sports subscribers what is known in the industry as a bundle. That meant sports rights holders, the Premier League, NFL, Olympic Games and others, were able to increase the asking price for their live rights. Currently, these rights deliver an estimated £45 billion a year for sport globally. Money ultimately spent on players, wages and investments in anything from stadiums to grassroots programmes. 
but as soon as fans bypass these broadcasters at scale by watching illegal streams for free, the models developed by ESPN, Sky and B in Sport break. And when these media companies aren't able to get a return for their investment, you can be sure the amount that they're prepared to commit to buying live sports rights will plummet. How much has just the topic of pirating live football, live Premier League football if you want, popped up into your reporting, say over the last, you said 99, 25 years or so? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. We interviewed Richard Scudamore in the summer of 2010 and we asked him what his big concerns were, what the big challenges were for the Premier League in the future. And he identified two things. One was the collective nature, maintaining the, the solidarity among, among the owners. But the other thing he highlighted as being a massive threat was, was piracy. It's been a constant, but I think there are times when a lot of the major actors have kind of shied away from it and not wanted to be too public about it. Maybe they were concerned that they would be encouraging it in some way. And I think the feeling is that in spite of everything that everybody has done in terms of uh, technology, in terms of lobbying at a, at a kind of uh, government level, the amount of piracy going on, the, the number of people accessing um, streams that they, they don't they haven't paid for is, is greater than ever. And it's not something it doesn't seem as though something the industry has been able to get get on top of. Why do you think that, interesting you said about people like the Premier League not being not too public about it. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I think behind the scenes, they obviously, they were taking people to court. I mean, they've been, they've been very um, aggressive in defending their um, copyright. And the only thing I can assume is that, you know, they, they maybe wanted to to, to play down the issue a little bit in, in terms of, let's face it, if you're a rights holder, you've got to sell to a broadcaster. Now, if you scare the life out of the broadcaster by going public and saying piracy is a massive problem, then the next time you find yourself sitting down negotiating a rights deal with a broadcaster, the broadcaster is going to throw that back in your face and say, well, hang on, you know, you, you, you yourself are admitting piracy is a massive problem. Why should we pay you X for exclusivity when, I mean, this is a, the, the position that B in Sport took when their signal was being pirated on, on an industrial scale by the out cube. In 2019, Yusuf Al-Abadli, CEO of B in Sport, made a keynote speech at sports industry event leaders, and he had only one topic on his agenda, piracy. It has been a golden age for our industry. However, I'm afraid that I have some bad news. The endless growth of a sport right is over, all because the industry took too long to take piracy seriously. And I tell you, as the largest buyer of sports rights in the world, and because of the outcue in MENA and piracy general, we are now regard all rights are non-exclusive and our commercial offer will reflect that moving forward. What happened there was that B, B, B in said to everybody, we effectively have a non-exclusive product and we will pay you a non-exclusive fee for it. But I think that when, when you're sitting down to negotiate, that is, a, that is a weapon that the, the broadcaster can have. They can say, look, piracy is rampant. You've not been able to control it. Serie A was talking to the chief executive, Luigi Di Siervo, recently, and he was saying that, you know, for a long time in Italy, the broadcasters have used that against Serie A. They've said, it's up to you as the rights holder to get on top of this problem. And to us, the value will always be diminished unless you do. It's only my theory, but I, I think that they, the reason they've been a little bit quiet about it is that they don't want to basically score an own goal by handing a massive psychological advantage to the broadcasters. 
I put that question to Cameron Andrews from Be In Sport. Is it logical that the Premier League may be reluctant to talk to us because it doesn't want to give any broadcast partners an advantage in future negotiations? They don't really want to talk about piracy because that's something that's going to erode the value. When you're doing the deal, you know, this is not what you want to have at the forefront of the discussions. And I certainly know when I joined being the end of 2016, early 2017, there weren't that many rights owners that were taking it seriously. That situation is changing because at the end of the day, the people buying the rights have to make money for them and they're selling you an exclusive broadcast right. But if the content's not exclusive because people can get it on a piracy service and pay far less for it, then it's going to be very hard, if not impossible, to make any money. So it will run its course and it will have an impact on the value. You know, the rights market is changing. Some rights owners, certainly in some properties, are doing very well and building global brands and creating global value. Uh, not everyone can compete in that market uh, in the same way. And I think those who don't take piracy seriously are more likely to be the ones that fall away over the next few years. I also have a theory that the Premier League doesn't want to be drawn into a public conversation on pricing. Our research shows that the primary reason people pirate live sport is actually because of cost. I asked Frank Dunn whether he agreed. Absolutely, and, and I think one thing that's really interesting, you'll have, you'll have seen this, the European Commission position on, on piracy was yes, by all means take injunctions, yes, by all means challenge the big tech companies and challenge the internet companies and the ISPs and all that kind of stuff. but reduce your prices. And that's the one thing that the, the rights holders don't want to hear. Okay, let's switch over to uh, the mail and um, a couple of exclusives from Matt Hughes. FA Cup set to end 3pm TV blackout. We know that this is how it works in this country between 2.45 and 5.15. You cannot show any football whatsoever, but it seems that there are differing points of view here. So the Premier League in favour of keeping their matches off TV on Saturday afternoons. Football League yet to make their minds up, although they have been inviting bids for the 3pm kickoffs in their, their latest rights auction for from 24-25 onwards. But the FA understood to be open to dropping the blackout my name is Stuart Fuller. I am elected chair of Lewis Football Club and I have worked in the intellectual property uh, industry for about 20 years. I think back to sort of 20, 25 years ago when digital piracy was music. You know, it was BitTorrent, it was, you know, the, the, the emergence of Napster and the way in which you, you, you combat, say, for example, the music problem was the streaming platform. So Spotify comes along you know, Apple Music, things like that. And what that enables people to get is for a very, very small fee, a huge amount of legitimate, high quality product. But you still have this issue about live. Coming back to the sports industry, live is where their biggest concern is. Because a lot of these organizations, you know, Sky Sports, BT Sports, Amazon, a significant investment they have to make. Um, and so therefore trying to to stop that leakage of, of content is, is a major headache, it's a major concern because it not only impacts their revenue models, but the rights holders would also be concerned that their product may be devalued by it being um, shown in, in a in unauthorised way. And what, what do you think about Article 48? Football fans have told us that if it was removed and all games were televised in the UK, their need to pirate would be diminished. 
I would say the removal of Article 48, so UEFA's Article 48, which is the blanket ban on any live football being shown in England on a Saturday between 2.45 and 5.15 could have a major impact. What drives people to, to try and access pirated um, content for the Premier League is because their game isn't being shown and normally because it is three o'clock on a Saturday. The rule was brought in, you know, 60 years ago to try and protect smaller clubs. But if I look now at, you know, even even my club down at Lewis, genuinely, you know, at, at our level or even, uh, you know, let's go and take the, the example of Burnley again, because it was the Burnley chairman at the time, um, Bob Lord, who, who was the instigator of putting this in place. You know, Burnley getting really great crowds. If the three o'clock blackout was taken away, would it impact their crowds? Probably not. Would it impact Ancrid and Stanley, who play in League One, 10, 15 miles away? Almost certainly not. You know, at, at Team Lewis, we're, we're at step seven in the in the English pyramid. We played an away game on Saturday at a, a club called Bows and Pitsy in Essex. And the crowd was 160 people, of which Lewis had about 50 people there. And there was probably about 40 kids who didn't pay to get in. And when I was speaking to, to one of their directors afterwards, he said, yeah, he said, the problem is, he said, West Ham were at home today, and West Ham played at 12.30, and South End were at home at three o'clock. So that impacts our crowds. And you think, okay, so that's nothing to do with streaming. You know, it's nothing to do with that. So if, if we're ever at home the same time as Brighton, we'll lose about 150 people. If uh, the three o'clock kickoff ban was taken off, would we still lose 150 people? Yeah, we probably will. Wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything to do with who comes to watch. There'll be a few people who may say, oh, I'm going to go and watch Lewis, but I'm going to watch the Brighton game on the phone. Because people don't do that. They'll either watch it live or they'll watch it on the phone. They won't do either. So it's hard to see who that ban is actually protecting at the moment. But certainly the clear benefit is it's increasing the amount or the demand for digital piracy for football. That leaves us with just one key question to answer. What will be piracy's long-term impact on sport? And it took almost two decades for global music revenue to recover. Now it's the sport industry that is at a critical juncture. If you had the chance to get a streaming service where you could only watch Villa games, if I could, if I could pay just to see United, I wouldn't watch anything else. And that's the threat. Until they're prepared to take that on, and maybe short to medium term, take a hit, I don't think they'll find a solution to piracy. The Pirates versus the Premier League was brought to you by Unofficial Partner Productions. Written and produced by me, Matt Cutler, and edited by Richard Gillis. If you have a tip related to sports piracy, email me via matt at unofficialpartner.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Podcast Network.